Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you could go no shirt vest uh-huh. just like all the time, would you? <laughs> I don't think the world would like that. I don't tan so well. So <laughs> I, uh, if, I, if I could tan... I yeah. consider it. <laughs> yeah, you don't have you don't have the color, and I don't have the shape. You know what I mean? <laughs> Neither one of us are looking good. Next week, it. our uh, cover art will be me and Rob in leather vests, <laughs> just for you guys. <laughs> Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Seasons greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I am JP Mosier, and we're. <laughs> got me we're here to celebrate the greatest songs in modern music history we're gonna tell you what makes them great why we think they're awesome and why you should too jp how you doing today man man? i am doing fantastic so i'll never be an outlaw own a motorcycle drive a motorcycle or even ride on a motorcycle okay but if i did i would jump on my hog my harley and crank this up as loud as those motorcycle speakers would go Mm. and be that obnoxious vroom vroom guy with the leather chaps and feet porting towards the sky and heck (laughs) while i'm exaggerating I'd have a tan up top with just one of those leather vests, ridiculously yeah. long flowing hair, yeah. the thickest goatee known to man. Rob, tell him what song I'm blasting down the highway. This is Highway Song by Blackfoot. Dude, immediately I'm going, why did we not talk about the all time motorcycle songs? Yeah. You're a thousand percent right. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere every every pack of cigarettes in the country <laughs> just awakened. <laughs> they felt their call. something about the way this song feels Dude, yes i mean it is mesmerizing that is highway song by blackfoot from the 19 1979 album strikes is the name of the album blackfoot strikes or is it just strikes by blackfoot yes i don't i'm thinking it's just strikes i've seen it called both okay i've seen it called both i kind of like the idea of it being called blackfoot strikes i like that too that sounds cool i've never heard i haven't heard that and the album cover is 
just a, a cobra head uh-huh. that's like kind of yeah. coiled up and ready to strike. It's a great looking album cover. And I'll give you a teaser. My my stuff, the genius was actually going to be album covers with snakes on the cover, okay. <laughs> but I couldn't come up with it good enough. So that was not. But it was close. All I could come up with was like white snake, um, Alice, something Alice Cooper related, sure. yeah. and maybe. Uh, the Metallica Black album, if you count. Oh, that. true, yeah, the little ho- not hologram, but like a like uh, imprint yeah. overlay of Snake. Yeah, uh, it was written by Ricky Medlock, our guest today. Absolutely, Ricky Medlock of Blackfoot and Leonard Skinnerd and uh, Jackson Spires. It went to number twenty six on the Billboard Hot one hundred, and the album went to number forty two on the Top two hundred, and it is certified platinum in the U.S. Now, if you've ever only heard this song on the radio there's a chance you may not know about the ending because the single version was shortened mm-hmm. now i feel like over time you're probably more likely to hear the full version now on i feel like radio plays all of classic it now. rock yeah. station but if you if you don't know the whole song doesn't feel like what we just played mm-hmm. it turns into something different here at the end how good is it once the bgv's come in on the chorus Adds a whole other layer. So now we're going to go double time. Tell me if this feels familiar. And for about the next two and a half minutes, this is where we're going to live. That's how they do it in Gainesville, folks. That's I'm sorry. That's right. That just how stuff comes out. That's in, how it happens in Gainesville. Yeah, that's right. North Florida. This is just what happens when you start playing no a song. No matter what song you start, it ends like that. <laughs> you just you just look around at your bandmates and know. Yeah. That's right. It's amazing go. Grace. Freaking double time. <laughs> Amazing Grace with a six-minute guitar jam <laughs> at the end. Just the way God intended it. Four-four. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? How do you? How can, can you double time three-four? Three, I, I don't six, know. Eight. Not really. No, it's not right. Oh God. <laughs> uh, so this song is like a whole genre, right? Walking down the lonely old road, <laughs> driving down the highway in a minor key. Like there, there's just a. This song belongs to a certain subset of songs that are about this. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's good. It's yeah. not. This is not the first song to be uh-huh. like. I'm driving down the highway, uh-huh. right? Are and you I'm, kidding me? What a concept, <laughs> right? You know, I'm lonely. Uh-huh. I'm driving down the highway. It's it's kind of like um, uh, uh, thematically, it's really kind of another side to like faithfully by Journey. Okay. Right? It's yeah. got that same, you know what I mean? Loving a music man ain't all it's supposed to be. It's like, I miss you, basically, is what we're saying here. So, yeah. you know, highway song, I'm all alone, blah, blah, blah. It's that same kind of thing. Um, an incredible jam song. You could jam on the song forever, even before it hits that double time yeah. section. The, the feel of this song from Absolutely. start to finish is incredibly I would love jamming. to hear Rob play a guitar solo over this song. This is like his speed. Like <laughs> yeah. He would blister it even, like, even before he gets to the fast stuff. Um, here's the thing that I love about the about the, the riff, the beginning riff and the riff that runs through the verses and stuff, is it's this like arpeggiated mm-hmm. riff. It's a chord outlined one note at a time, yeah. if we haven't defined arpeggio in a long time. Um, and... And it's to me, it's it sounds improvised, 
but it's not. Mm -hmm. But it's the kind of thing that, for me, I can never pull off. I can't pull off an arpeggiated riff that's like four bars long that I will play the same every time, right? But here, that's what that's what that is. I disagree because I've heard you do. Um, I've heard you do every breath you take. Which, but I didn't write that. I'm oh, saying you, you didn't. Oh, I see what you yeah, mean. I'm I saying if I write anything, yeah, yeah. If I'm if I'm writing something, I, for some reason, I'm just not going to be able to play it the same every time. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't make myself do that. Yeah. Um. But to me, so this but it sounds like you're just sort of casually strumming uh-huh. these chords. You know what I mean? Um. And so for me, I'm like, ah, just keep it loose. You know. But these guys, <laughs> like these pros, uh-huh. this is a fully arpeggiated thing. But it's and the, it's not. Tr- it's not copied like they don't play it once like yeah. now if you play it now you're like okay we nailed it just loop copy it, it and yeah, loop yeah. It. yeah no but it's like no you know what the the third you know 16th note of bar three of the phrase is going to be the same note every time <laughs> yeah you could you know so anyway that's just something i thought about like it's so it's so natural for these guys but i, I just have such a hard time playing the exact same thing as a loop i don't know um I love the choice of when when we hit the chorus, the highway song, it would have been so easy. We're in the E minor, classic mm-hmm. E minor. Uh, it would have been so easy for them to hit a C chord there, but they go with the A minor chord, the four minor mm-hmm. chord, and it gives a certain softness to that, and it opens it up in a different way yep. as for them, as opposed to going, you know, highway song. It still would have been something to sing the, along. The melody could have still been the yeah, same. Yeah, melody would have been the same, and but, but the... Highway song is what it goes to yeah. the two minor, mm-hmm. uh, or depending on what right. If yeah, you're thinking you're E thinking. minor is the one, it's a four minor. If you're thinking of G, G as, as the, the one, as it's in the key of G, right. we're going relative major, so, so it would be an A minor, which is a two, two minor. minor. Yeah. Um, one day we're gonna one day we're gonna standardize this, um, but anyway, it just kind of opens the thing up um, in, in a different way. Um, it is definitely Blackfoot's Freebird. Yeah. I mean, which is ironic. You know what I mean, and and kind of cool. It's like Blackfoot and Leonard Skinner are they're closer than cousins. Yeah, they're brothers mm-hmm. essentially, right? Um, but e- there's even half a, brothers. Yeah, they're, of- they're half brothers. That's right. Um, there's even a couple of like direct quotes from Freebird in the guitar solo mm-hmm. where you hear you know yeah. a couple of lines that you're like that same lick is definitely is literally in Freebird. Yeah, but um, you know Ricky Medlock is one of the early early members of leonard skinner mm-hmm. um he, on drums on, actually on drums right and then he forms blackfoot and he's playing lead guitar and and you know singing lead later returns to leonard skinner as uh, a lead guitarist one of their seven lead guitarists <laughs> you know and um and he's been like wh- when i think of leonard skinner mm-hmm. he's one of the main guys that i yeah. think of Same. it was you know the time that i was becoming aware of skinner is mm-hmm. the time that he was coming back into the fold yeah and um so i have always loved seeing skinnered footage live of him because he's always had the coolest look dude. yeah absolutely he's always been the coolest looking member of skinnered mm-hmm. um you know and it, by the time that he like rejoined he kind of already started going gray uh-huh. and he just has this cool long gray hair and he's super tan you know and he just freaking wailing on a gibson uh firebird uh-huh. and just going to town dude uh just or uh, explore explore excuse me, explore yeah um and uh so i've always thought dude yeah ricky medlock is that dude he's cool um let's see the lyrics of the song uh contain some references to some of their earlier work 
In the third verse in particular, it says, yes, these big wheels are ready to roll. Their first album uh, had a song called Big Wheels. Their first album, uh, No uh, Reservations, 1975. Uh, even that name is ironic. Like, they're named for, like, Blackfoot Indian, you know, mm -hmm. tribes. Three of the four, I think, founding members were all of Native American indigenous heritage. And um, so their first album being called No Reservations was is kind of a funny irony. Um not even an irony. It's probably just a probably just a middle finger, yeah. honestly. Um, then it says, uh, we've been flying high and so low. The title track of the 1976 album was Flying High. Uh, all this madness ain't as crazy as it seems from madness from Flying High. I'm just a stranger on this road. It's from Stranger on the Road from Flying High. <laughs> and I stand alone only in my dreams. I stand alone from no reservations. I love it when bands do this kind of self-referential self stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, there's an Aerosmith song that I feel like kind of does the same thing. Um, and right now it's escaping me, so I'm not going to search for it. Um, okay. Shall we meet the band? You want to meet Black Sure. Street? Yeah, let's meet them. Hey, let's meet the band. It's time to meet the band. Hey, mama, let's meet the band. Let's all meet the band. Hey. All right, so uh, we're going to meet the band of uh, Blackfoot. Rob mentioned... Uh, the uh, American Indian roots that they have, so yeah. we'll we'll talk about that as we go through. Um, Ricky, who I'll save all things Ricky for for the end when you get to hang out with him, but on lead vocals and guitar. Um, Charlie Hargret on guitar. He's the only white guy in the band, if you would uh -huh. in quotes. The only uh, European dude. <laughs> um, Greg T. Walker on bass, uh, some keyboards and some vocals. Um, he's another Native American that he makes jewelry. Rides horses and makes his own bow and arrows. Okay, I mean, come on, that's what that's what you want to hear. Right. Right. Yeah, way to way to be a stereotype. <laughs> all, he also played a little bit of bass on the Street Survivors album with Skinnerd. Okay, which Ricky played drums yeah. on. Um, on drums and percussion, uh, Jackson Spires uh, vocals. Uh, all his credits that I could find are on Blackfoot and Southern Rock compilations. Okay, um, some bonus musicians on the track. Pat McAfee plays some keyboards. He Pat play McAfee? Yeah. Kicker for the Indianapolis Colts? <laughs> right. It's McCaffrey. Oh, McCaffrey. That's where I was like. <laughs> right there. Good catch there. Thank wow. you. Pat McCaffrey. Good catch. Yeah, I went. Uh, went, <laughs> went. And now pod podcast megastar. Pat yeah, Pat McAfee is like. You know, he was he he had a mouth, uh -huh. and he discovered that he could use it to fina for financial gain. So now he's like a podcast host. He's like you know Joe Rogan minus. Okay, you know as far as like he's got a really big podcast, and uh, he's like he does uh, announcing and stuff with WWE. He wrestles. Okay. Oh like, wow, he's a, he's a star. He's in all kinds of stuff now. And he also played keyboards for uh, <laughs> <laughs> Pat McCaffrey. Uh, played with a group called the Wiz Kids, and although he was never officially a member, he played with another group called Brownsville station um, oh, okay they, they're the people that originate they did smoking in the boys room for the yeah. first time so which y'all know from uh motley crew right motley crew i hate their version <laughs> of smoking in the boys room dude. I, I, I do too and i like it motley feels crew. so fake yeah it's, it's pretty pretty uh, it's a stretch um <laughs> backing vocalist there's three donna d davis pamela t vincent and cynthia m douglas and wow. i have no clue why they all use their middle initial i was and about to ask i just noticed that as i was reading i was like wow I, just all three <laughs> so i guess that's them um on percussion, Henry H. Baum Weck. Wow. Um, and he's on all the Blackfoot albums and Brownsville Station as well, too. So that's the band section for uh, for Blackfoot. H. Baum. That's quite a nickname. H. Baum. I wonder how you get that nickname. Well, his first name's Henry. Okay. 
I don't know yet. But why, like, how do you become H bomb? Like, how are you going to be referenced to like the Oppenheimer, yeah. destroyer of worlds, yeah. the hydrogen bomb? <laughs> yeah. How do you become H bomb? Yeah. I feel like my guess. This uh-huh. is my guess. Is there's a bathroom story attached that's to that nickname? <laughs> that's their shit. That's my best if, guess. That's a good. That's an educated, uh, an educated guess. That's or if not a, if not a direct bathroom story, maybe a bus habit. You know, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's good. I like that. That was that that's that funny. nickname was earned on the road. That's right. I feel like. Um, I did want to talk about minute two twenty four okay. with the layered guitar parts. Take that, Scorpions, right? They uh, So if you go to like 224, listen to how they layer in these guitar parts here. Okay. Yeah. I love that. Not complex lines. Let's right. to be honest. It's not, but yeah. it's cool. Freaking yeah, love it. Yeah, it's cool. And it's not even like, I don't I don't mean this to sound bad, but it's not even like the proper harmonies mm-hmm. in all the yeah. spots. Mm-hmm. It's more like, I'm going to play something on this rhythm. Yeah, you play something in this key. <laughs> yeah. That, and we'll see where it lands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you move up when I move up. Yeah. You move down when I move down. Yeah, and they're probably like, nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> like, keep yeah. that first take. Yeah. But it worked. I yeah, mean, it totally worked. It's awesome. I like it too. Um, I gotta stump the genius. Okay, let's do it, let's man. Let's do it. Stump the genius. Stump the genius. Stump the genius. It's time to stump the genius. Jump up and take your part. I take your part. Okay, as I mentioned, I was gonna do uh, snakes on album covers, <laughs> but I uh, couldn't quite put all that together. Okay. So I'm gonna go since we have Ricky on. I'm going famous Rickies. So okay. Here we go. Let's set a timer. I got right. five of them. Um. Let me look over and try to make some mental clues for myself off these names. Um, let's do, what, 35 seconds? That's 35 seven, seconds. Seven okay. seconds each. All right. Um, famous Rickies. Let's um, do, I'll do 30 seconds. Oh, man. Okay. We're going to have to fly. I believe in myself. How many you got? Five. Six oh, seconds. Oh, that's apiece. nothing, dude. That's okay. nothing. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Here we go. 30 seconds. And count count go. me down. Oh, start it. Ray, start me over. Go. Oh, all right. Give me a three, two, one. Okay, three, two, one, go. Uh, Oakland A's, Stolen Base Henderson. Champ. Yep. Uh, if you're not first, you're last. Uh, Bobby. Wolf, yep, yep. Uh, mandolin player. Saw him with Bruce Hornsby, um, Kentucky Thunder. Oh, oh, Skaggs. Yeah, Ricky Skaggs. Uh, comedian, co-created the British Office, uh, Idiot <laughs> oh. Abroad. Oh, gosh. Uh, Ricky um, Gervais. Yes. Uh, Living La Vida Loca. Uh, <laughs> Martin. Yes, boom. Yeah, yeah. Man, okay, there so we sorry. go. We all right, l- let's let it run out so y'all can hear my alarm go off. But I didn't nail that one. Here's the alarm I've been using recently. Star Wars kick. (laughs) Oh, it didn't play through my phone. Anyway, it's a job. I heard it. All right. Hey, good job. Well done. (laughs) Thank you very Um, much. Yeah. How about, um, let's see if I can think of any more. Branch Ricky from uh, baseball. Baseball? baseball Yeah, Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson into the league. Um, Uh, Ricky. That's all I got. All right. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Let's Ricky see. Ricardo. Ricky Ricardo. Good solid Ricky. Yeah, man. Should have thought of that. All right. Let's see. Uh, Blackfoot, a little bit more on them. Uh, originally formed as Hammer in the very late 60s. I think we talk a little bit to Ricky about that, or at least you mention it. Mm-hmm. Um, and y'all are going to love Ricky, dude. He's great. He's he was a awesome. Great interview. Very, like, affable and sort of... Super cool guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um they uh, moved to New York City in 1970 and then changed their name to to Blackfoot. Um, I believe Blackfoot blow away the record of most members for bands that we've ever covered. 
Did you look up their like Wikipedia where it shows the little chart of like people who have been in the band and like the timeline? No, dude, it's insane. By yeah. my count, there have been fifty-two Holy cow. members of Blackfoot since its inception. Let's do a reimagined uh, Meet the Band section. It's going to be six hours long. That's right. 52. One, you could do a whole deck of cards. Yeah, each of a different member of Blackfoot. That's wild. Like. Just to put it, just to put that reference in perspective, there's a joke in Spinal Tap about them be, about there being 37 members of Spinal Tap uh-huh. over the years, right? And it's supposed to be like this. That's outlandish, hysterical number, yeah. right? And there's 52 um, members. <laughs> and let's let's clear this up. You heard how many people played on that track. It's not. It's right. a four piece. Yeah. You know, basically. I mean. Percussion thrown in, maybe a five piece. Yeah, couple, you know, a little bit of string work probably thrown in. If you're going big production for Blackfoot, you're six members. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so there's been like not only just a lot of lineup changes, but even it's funny because Ricky Medlock, he's not part of Blackfoot anymore. But it's not one of these things where um, he's at odds mm-hmm. with the guys. He's actually. Um, like he'll still show up and play with them occasionally, come out and play a couple songs or whatever. Um, and when they reformed, it's almost like they reformed with him as kind of an executive producer. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like he's pastor emeritus, Ricky Medlock. There you go. Yes. <laughs> Those in the church get that reference. <laughs> yes. Ricky Medlock presents Blackfoot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And he comes in, you know, and gets a big ovation from the crowd and yeah. then, you know, goes back to sipping a martini or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, but he's, you know, and he talks about, you know, that basically Skinner is his life now. Yeah. That's, and that's, you know, since the early 90s, um, you know, that era of Skinner, he's been one of the one of the staples and he has no intention of mm-hmm. and it, it, we even talk about the con, the continuation of Skinnerd as a you know as a band and at this point as kind of like a southern rock tradition sure. it's even it's even bigger and different than just a band in the in the south like yeah. Skinnerd is a uh you know they might as well be a sports team yeah. you know what i mean yeah. it's it's like um the the Florida Gators you know, and Leonard Skinner <laughs> yeah. are like Florida's biggest franchises. Yeah, you know? yeah that's true. Um, so it, it, he talks about how they, you know, how they decided to like keep going and, and, you know, the things they're doing now to sort of keep that, keep that thing alive, even though none of the original members are now, you know, present. Um, even though he was in very, very, very early, he wasn't, as I understand it, one of the, he wasn't on the first album, but he was on street survivors, which was their second album. Yeah. And he grew up with all those guys. Mm -hmm. Like they, you know, they had always been sort of running parallel paths. Um, but yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So not a ton of information this week, but, uh, you're going to get a lot from, uh, Ricky coming out here. We saved all our best stuff for the interview. Yeah, we did. We saved all our best saving all my love for you. All right, we're going to go talk to Ricky Medlock of Blackfoot, Leonard Skinner, uh, and the coolest, uh, one of the coolest hair, golly. <laughs> All right, we're going to go talk to Ricky Medlock of Blackfoot, Leonard Skinner. We're going to talk about it all, and uh, we're going to, I've lost it. There. I do not have it. All right, we're going to go talk to Ricky Blackfoot of, <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've lost it, gang. All right, we're going to go talk to Ricky Medlock of Blackfoot and Leonard Skinner. We'll be back in a few minutes. We'll tuck you in on the other side. <laughs> Jeez Louise. This is the Great Song Podcast.
Ladies and gentlemen, as promised, we are here with Ricky Medlock of Blackfoot and Leonard Skinner and your guitar playing dreams. Fresh garbage. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Ricky, thank you so much for joining us today on the Great Song Podcast. Hey, it's my pleasure, man. I'm happy to be here. Excellent. Well, um, so uh, let me just start here. We've JP and I have talked before about the Leonard Skinner on the show and that kind of thing and and things like the um, you know, the, the Freebird solo and these extended things and how they're really people hear them and they think you're just grabbing a guitar and ripping. Uh, but a lot of the times those things are more intricate and planned out than people have any idea about. So I'm just right. curious about when you're, you know, when you're learning something like that, putting something together, what's your process for either learning a solo or rehearsing something to, to be able to get it right and get it the way it needs to come out? Well, first of all, start with if you're writing, you know, if you're coming up with a solo from scratch. Um, you know, I took a lot of influences in my life from a lot of your, well, guitar heroes. Uh, and meaning that, and meaning that uh, when I grew up, I grew up around the guitar era way going way, way back of like, you know, during the Elvis Presley days. And, you know, I got to see Elvis when I was, my parents went to see him at the Florida Theater when I was like six, almost seven years old. And of course, Scotty Moore was playing with him. Mm-hmm. And Scotty Moore, you know, back then, that he was the big hero of, uh, you know, the guitar world. For me, um, I always, you know, was drawn toward those rockabilly kind of, you know, rock and roll kind of guys. And I listened to them for, you know, like Lonnie Mack, uh, you know, Scotty Moore, and then all of a sudden it graduated on up toward the next thing you know, you know, you had the Beatles. And uh, George Harrison was like uh, my favorite Beatle. Okay. He was... um, (laughs) There was something real different about him. He wasn't a typical, you know, he wasn't a typical one of them. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, And then the next thing you know, of course, uh, on the scene came Jimi Hendrix. And uh, from Hendrix and then Clapton and then Jeff Beck and then Jimmy Page. And I mean, the list goes on. Well, I really took a shine to Eric Clapton. Um, I could hear the blues in him, the influence of the blues, just like I could hear it in Hendrix. Um, Even my grandfather, Shorty, that wrote Train Train, Mm -hmm. he recognized the stuff that I was listening to. He recognized the blues influence in those guys. You know, and he would hear me in my bedroom <laughs> wailing away, you know, loud and and, uh, and learning licks. And the way we learned licks back then was, interestingly enough, you know, when you wanted to learn a solo on a record, you know, you slowed the record down, uh, you know, and that's the way you learned the solo. Mm-hmm. Well, fortunately for me, I was, you know, I could sing. And 
I would learn to sing the solo as well. Oh, cool. And that helped me in developing, uh, you know, when I'd go to learn the lead, that helped me to learn the lead and develop it. Well, then when I got into my own thing, of course, I was Clapton influenced and, you know, Hendrix influenced Jeff Beck. Um, and so <laughs> I would go about myself writing a solo back then. I would start singing a melody to the, to the chord structure. And then I would put the blues licks within it. Mm. And that's the way I came up with, with stuff. It really wasn't flashy. It really wasn't, you know, what they say, shredding. Um, you know, the way I shredded and the way, say, Alan Collins shredded and all of us, we just learned how to play quick. You know what I mean? <laughs> it wasn't fanning and, all, you know, fanning the strings. And, right, right. You know, moving your fingers as fast as you were fanning and, you know, the whole bit. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm not kicking that. I'm not knocking that. I mean, that's. If that's what you do, that's what you do. It just wasn't, you know, my thing and a lot of people's thing back, back then. You put more feel into the in the notes and in the lick that you were playing. It was all about the vibe and the feel to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like one of my favorite solos, one of my favorite solos even today uh, from my hero Eric Clapton is Crossroads. I mean, you know, wow. <laughs> I mean, this guy, to me, he was shredding. That was ripping it out. <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, so when I started developing the leads for Blackfoot, I would go upon it like listening to the song and and try to play what I thought the song what what would draw the song, what would draw the lead out of it, out of me to place in the song rather than sitting there and just playing a lot of licks. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to play something meaningful. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, when it came to Skinnerd, uh, when I, you know, joined the band, I, you know, uh, Gary got me in one of his, Famous quotes was the fact that you're the closest thing I can get to Alan. Uh, your your energy, the, your style, the way you play, and uh, you know, and coincidentally, we played the same guitar. Right. Yeah. You know the whole bit. You know, we're long and tall, and yeah. Uh, but it worked out to where when Gary asked me to come in, you know, I've been asked what was the hardest solo for you to learn you know, in the Skinner stuff. Well, I knew what, I basically knew what Alan was, the licks that he was playing. And, uh, you know, and so I came into the band and everybody always thinks that Freebird was the hardest to learn. But actually, Freebird was the easiest solo to learn because I knew what licks he was playing. You did it in sections. Section of four, another section of four, another section of four, another section. You know, I learned it in sections. Mm -hmm. And I grew up, of course, ever since Freebird was around, I played drums 
to the original to the original track. You know, when I was in Muscle Shoals, uh-huh. I knew that solo front and back. <laughs> and uh, so when I joined the band, I can remember working it up along with the record. And um, I remember the first day of rehearsal with Skinner. Um, we had four days of rehearsal before we did our first show together uh, after I joined. And I remember the very last day of rehearsal was the day to play Freebird. And I remember walking in rehearsal and Gary looking at me going, you ready? <laughs> I said, hell yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it. You know? <laughs> and we did the song. I played the solo. And I remember Gary looking at me, you know, after it was over with and we hit the ba ba ba. And Gary goes, I'll be damned. <laughs> he goes, great job, bro. You know, I said, thank you. You know, and that was it, man. We're off and running. That's yeah. Awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Well, you, uh, you definitely touched on a lot and a lot of guitar heroes. As you mentioned, you, you hinted at it a little bit, but you played on drums, uh, with, with Skinner for a bit too. You start on, you were on street survivors on one more time and you played on first and last album. And even <laughs> your first band was fresh garbage, which became hammer. And you led, <laughs> you led from drums. Who were some popular singing drummers at the time of this band coming out? Cause I know Eagles came out in wow. 72, but I'll tell you who it was. Okay. Was Carmine Apperson. Okay. okay. Carmine, man, here's a guy that was, you know, virtually the singer in vanilla fudge. Mm. Uh, Beck Bogert and Apathy. He was the singer there. Yeah. Him and him and Beck, uh, him and Tim Bogart. Carmine, I got to tell you, I just wow. When was this? I did a podcast with him and his brother Vinny, and he could not believe this. Uh, just like I said to Ted Nugent too, I hit him with this question. Tell me if you can remember when's the first time you met me. Okay. And it's it it stumps them. <laughs> because uh, uh they couldn't believe I could remember anything like that, you know. <laughs> but Carmine, I said, Carmine, tell me you met me back in the early 70s. He goes, I did? I said, Yeah. I said, tell me, uh, can you remember when that was? And he said, Oh my God. I said, no, I wasn't with the vanilla fudge. And I said, he goes, you've got me, Ricky. I, I, I said, Skinner opened for Wishbone Ash and Cactus. <laughs> you were in Cactus. I was the drummer for Skinner. And you and I stood backstage before you went on. And we had about a 10-minute conversation. Wow. He awesome. goes, Oh, my God. He goes, are you kidding me? I went, nope, I'm not kidding. <laughs> what would you say your first instrument is? Are you, would you consider yourself a drummer first that picked up guitar, or were you a guitarist that plays no. drums? What's your No. I was a guitar player at the age of five. Okay. Um, I started playing guitar. I had my granddaddy's, uh, and it seemed like the biggest guitar in the world to me at <laughs> that age. Five, yeah. Um, I had a, my granddaddy had an old, and we still have it in the family. Uh, as a matter of fact, my 
significant other, Stacy, I can't get it out of her hands. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's an old about a 19, I'd say probably between a 1943 and a 1945 uh, J45. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, he had it, one of, and he had bands on and off all the time. And uh, my granddaddy played that guitar. He had a blues style. That if you go listen to Mississippi John Hurt, my granddaddy sounded just like that. Okay. Uh, he would put a heart rack on and <laughs> he'd play the blues. He'd play the blues and stuff, which is one of the reasons why Ronnie Van Zant just really fell, you know, just fell over my granddaddy and, you know, used my granddaddy's inspiration for Curtis Lowe. Mm. Um, when you hear Ronnie say he used to play it, old Dobro used to play it across his knee. That was my granddaddy, Shorty. And uh, Ronnie and Gary and Alan, from the time I joined Skinner, the first time they picked me up at the airport because I had flown from New Jersey uh, down to join the band. And we went by my parents' home, and my daddy just happened to be sitting uh, on our front porch of our old home. And Ronnie goes, is that Shorty? I said, yeah. He goes, look, he's playing. You know, I said, yeah. He does all the time. We all got out, and Ronnie went up there and started talking to my old man, him and him and Gary and Allen. And my daddy was sitting there just playing the blues like he, like he always did, you know. <laughs> and Ronnie became enthralled. He just became enthralled with that. And um, so I started out really well. Let's even go back further than that. I was three years old with a miniature banjo. That my granddaddy started teaching me to play, and I was on TV with him on a local television show in Jacksonville called The Toby Dowdy Show. And my granddaddy went to the, the leader of the band, Toby Dowdy, that had the show as a country show. It originated out of Jacksonville and was shown all over the Southeast, the South and the Southeast, Mid-South. And... He goes to Toby one day and he says, look, uh, my grandson, I've taught him how to play banjo. And Toby said, well, how old is he? And he said, well, he's three years old. He goes, come on. <laughs> he said, my granddad said, no, really. He said, we've worked up a couple of songs together to sing and, you know, so forth. Toby says, I've got to see this. <laughs> so he said, yeah, I'll bring him on the show. So. I go on the show, and I remained on the show <laughs> from three years of age to eight years of age. That's awesome. Wow. And in the midst of that, I learned how to play guitar with his old uh, J45. A45, that's awesome. 45. And um, then I learned how to play drums when I was eight years old because I got really taken with my dad's drummer, Charlie Saddlewhite, and uh, he taught me he taught me drums. So I kind of wanted to play everything like my granddaddy did. My granddaddy played all these stringed instruments and played them so great. And he became not he was a, a, a road guy for all these different country artists. 
that was going on the road, like a Hank Snow and Ernest Tubb and all these guys, you know. And so I was taking up all these instruments. And my, I remember my granddaddy told me one time, he says, hey, boy, let me talk to you about something. He goes, don't do, don't try to, don't try to do what I do. He said, stick to one instrument and be great at it. So guitar was like that one plus the drums, but the drums worked out when I joined Skinner. You know, <laughs> That's awesome. Do you have any, so, you know, you've literally been on stage performing all, all your life. Uh, does, does the concept of retirement even ever like, is that even a thing for you or are you just going to die on a stage somewhere? How do you spell it? <laughs> I don't even know what the hell you talking about, man. That's, 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 that's kind of what I thought. That, that's what we want. That's, that's well, here, here's, you know what, man? Um, here's what I really believe. If you are a real, true, and passionate lover of the arts, which music is of the arts, mm -hmm. You never retire. Um, and I've said this many times, and I'm quoting from Merle Haggard. Uh, there was a young lady doing an interview with Merle Haggard here once, and she said, um, Mr. Haggard, we know that you don't need to be out here doing this, <laughs> that you have been out here all your life running up down the road playing for people. We know you don't. Why? At your at this stage of your life and your age, why do you do it? He said, honey, this is what I do. He said, I play music. And you know what? That has stuck with me. I mean, it's really stuck with me for a long time. I mean, uh, when somebody goes, oh, Ricky, when are you going to retire? You know, I go, I look at them, you know, and they might be my age or anything. I go, well, when are are you going to retire? <laughs> you know? I said, what What do you do for a living? They'll tell me. I said, boy, that sounds like boring as hell to me. You know? I said, my thing is it's not boring. Yeah. Right. You know? But also, <clears throat> I, I'm a real, I have a real passionate love for the guitar and music and singing, you know? Uh, I won't ever get out of this game um, I'm already, you know, Skinner, Leonard Skinner is my number one love other than my significant other and my daughter. You know what I mean? Yeah. But Leonard Skinner is my number one passion when it comes to the arts. Uh, my Stacy and I have already done acoustic show together. We're going to, we're going to embellish on that. We sing. Hey, she goes all the way and she is sang with some of the world's greatest artists, starting from Keith Richards and Ron Wood to Joe Walsh, uh, all the way up Medlock. through Kid Rock. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everybody, yeah. right? So both of us, we took a gig uh, for a corporation that had like 70, 80 people in the room. We played 30 minutes. Got a standing ovation for what we were doing. We sound great together. So, hey, you know what? We want to do more of them. That's yeah. um, I've got a little side band uh, that I'm putting together. And it's probably going to be called, I don't know, the Ricky Medlock Group. And going to go out 
And what we're going to do is I want it to be, I want it to be about not only playing black, great Blackfoot tunes and maybe some Skinner stuff thrown in, but great songs of artists that influenced me. That's a great, that's Um, a great segue into a question that I had because Blackfoot does great covers on their, even on strikes. They've got, I got a line on you, which is a spirit cover. They got wishing well, a free cover. You do Tupelo honey by Van Morrison on the 99 after the rain album. What do you look for when you're talking about artists that inspire you when you pick your covers? How does that, how do you decide that? Is that what you think you'll sound good on or more like what, what you cut your teeth on? No, here's the way I do it. The way, the way I love to do stuff, I pick stuff of artists that have influenced me. Paul Rogers is my just, I don't know. He was always my biggest inspiration. Um, little did I know that years later I'd get, get to be great friends with him, which thrilled me. <laughs> As a matter of fact, um, not too many years ago, got to stand on the stage with him in bad company and play gone, gone, gone with him. That's awesome. And, um, my God, man, he just, he was just, he was like a God, you know, <laughs> I could hear all the bluesiness in him and I just love the guy. Well, if you look on YouTube, you know, back when Skinner did the simple man cruises, um, Stacy and I, we put together Ricky Medlock and Friends Jam Night. And if you look on there, there's several takes of it, but there's one five-minute take of us doing uh, Feel Like Making Love. Bad company. And came there. Uh, it went down big time. Yeah. <laughs> so things like that, artists that have influenced me uh, is what the way I love to pick. If you're going to do a cover song, you know, and that's the way I pick it. And if you're going to do a cover song by somebody, you better do it really good. Yeah. And it better be as good, or maybe try to be a, a better, but it better be as good as the original. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or you're going to get ass whooping over it. <laughs> you really will. People will let you, you know. know. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, you're a member, as I understand it, of the Native American Music Awards Hall of Fame, inducted the same year as another friend of the show, Felipe Rose of the Village People back in 2008. Tell us yes. about that honor uh, and a little about what your uh, what your uh, indigenous heritage means to you. Well, first of all, growing up, I knew that I had quite a bit of Native American blood in me. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandparents never, they never held back on that. They always told me where it came from, whose side of the family on both, fa- especially my father uh, and my mother. And I grew up really being proud of that. I mean, back in my day, just like Jack, uh, the drummer for Blackfoot and Greg, I mean, you you know you took a little you took flack about it, you know what I mean. Um, it is what it is, which is crazy to think about. But, yeah, that 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 would be. But anyway, yes. But I have a lot of beliefs in the fact that we're you know 
what blood runs through my veins. And uh, I'm very proud of that. I got a heritage that I'm very proud of, ancestors, as you might call it. Uh, I'm in touch with a lot of prominent uh, Native American, whether they be musicians, actors, actresses. Um, and I love being in that circle. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, when I got inducted into the Native American Music Hall of Fame, um, Ellen, a lady named Ellen Bellows, who is one of the heads of that, called me up and said, Ricky, uh, I wanted to let you know you're being inducted into the Native American Music Hall of Fame. I went, what? She goes, yeah. She goes, the guy that spearheaded you being inducted in it is none other than Robbie Robertson. Oh, wow. Uh, of the band. The yeah, band, the band. Yeah. That's awesome. And I went, you got to be kidding. She goes, no. She said, he's the one that spearheaded you being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Well, I went and wow, it was such an honor to stand up in front of all these natives. And of course, you know, other races too, you know, in the audience and stuff. I was inducted. The two guys that did the induction ceremony that stood up there with me. Number one, a guy named Houston Geronimo, great-great-grandson of the man himself, oh. Geronimo. Uh, a, guy, a guy named Lance White, who is the great-great-grandnephew of Crazy Horse. Oh, wow. yeah, that's awesome. And um, I got a great photo of me standing between them. And it was really funny because um, I've got this tattoo of Crazy Horse right here on everybody by now has seen it. (laughs) And there was a crew guy walking by and Lance is right here by this tattoo. And the guy walks by and he goes, wow, that guy's on your shoulder. And I went, you're not far from wrong, bro. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That's great. But um, I got to tell you, man, the Native American community, uh, I am upset about a lot of stuff. Um, I speak out about a lot of stuff, about a lot of wrongs. Uh, The Native American community is all but kind of forgotten about when it comes into today's realm of talking about all the other races in this country. Uh, you know, you can tune in any news show and they'll say, well, today, you know, among whites and blacks and Hispanics and Chinese and this and that, you never hear them say anything about natives. I mean, there's nothing, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I fight very hard to make sure that people remember, let's put it that way. Yeah. I'm loaded with all these tats all over that's all native and people will see them and they go, Oh my God, we love your tattoos. I said, look at them and remember. Right. That's all. Awesome. You know? And that's, that's my biggest, that's my biggest thing to today's society is when I get the opportunity to fight. Um, I became friends or I have become friends with a great, a great lady, a beautiful lady. Um, of heart, 
She is the Secretary of Interior. Uh, her name is Deb Holland. And no matter what party she's affiliated with or what parties anybody gives a damn about, because <laughs> I don't, um, I'm an independent. Um, I register as an independent, and I, I do what uh, the Great Spirit gave me, a brain to be able to go in and read about all these people and to decide for myself, not from the news media, decide for myself who to vote for. Uh See, so, but Deb Holland, she has just recently gotten back 400 and I think it's 450,000 acres in Utah handed back to the natives because of all the burial sites in Utah or wait a minute. I'm sorry, Nevada. Okay. And listen, she, for that, she does great work. Uh, I've become friends with her and I'm glad of it. Uh, And if there's ever an opportunity to go to Congress and speak out, uh, you know, on the subjects, I'll be more than glad to, but you know what? I'm a proud member of the Native American Music Hall of Fame. Hey, there we go. It was, it was great to be inducted. Uh, I stood up there and said, you know what? I told everybody, I went, hey, you know what? This is this is better than being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> you know, which, by the way, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame turned me down from going in with Skinner. Wow. Travesty. Yes. Travesty. Well, if you can believe that, they I, did. I can't because at my age, you, you are my yeah, Skinner. Yeah. Like you're my. We know you're, you as Skinner. Yeah, you're yeah. the Skinner that I know. Well, they, when my name was going to be put in there, they go, well, no, he didn't have that much importance in the band and he wasn't with the band, well, you know, long enough. But yet, they put all the guys in, and I'm not, I don't have nothing against it. But they put the guys in, okay, that was involved in the disaster and all that. Well, okay, you put Bob Burns. I took Bob Burns' place for two and a half, almost three years, so I don't get to go in. And I just find that to be, well, a little bit... uh, it's sketchy. Wait, we, 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 we can say one sided guys. Well, <laughs> I'll, I'll throw out some things that I think kind of go unnoticed that you contributed. And there's, there's parts of these where we just embellish on things we love about the people we're chatting with. So the first and last yeah. album is an underrated Skinner album, in my opinion. Some bangers on there, uh, two of which you wrote, The Seasons, with a little mandolin work here for you, and Preacher's Daughter, which has one of those classic Skinner riffs. I love that. My favorite Ricky moment, though, is on Skinner Nation from Gods and Guns. Great riff, co-lead vocal on stage, and you got the the straight stand. You don't even need a boom stand. You just got the straight mic stand. You're singing <laughs> Freaking love that. Um, and I saw y'all on the Vicious cycle tour um with 38 special in chattanooga back in it would have been like 2003 2004 somewhere around there i saw y'all and one of my favorites of what i would call modern skinnered is red white and blue uh what's the band's dynamic of that when you with you know the passing of leon and the introduction of ian evans on bass and michael on drums not counting his involvement in the christmas album um what's kind of the band dynamic at that time in like the vicious cycle album well you know, we had lost, we had lost Leon 
and I'll just go about it this way, okay? It's kind of interesting that we called the album Vicious Cycle because this band has been involved in a vicious cycle. Um, when we lost Leon, we knew we knew Leon was in trouble at the time, health wise. Uh, we were we had Ian. Ian was such a lover of Leonard Skinner and great bass player. Well, when Leon got really sick, we took Ian on the road with us so that when Leon couldn't perform at night, uh, Ian would step in, you know. Well, poor Leon, man, they found him uh, deceased in his hotel room in Jacksonville, and then we took Ian on. Uh, then when you go on down the line, uh, Huey had decided that he was going to leave the band and go back, play with uh, the Outlaws again, and next thing you know, Huey's gone. Uh, but we ended up getting Sparky in the band to cover for, you know, for Huey. But for a time, it was just me and Gary like the old days with him and Alan. Um, and why I'm relating it like this is because I'm relating it to that title of that record, Vicious Cycle. Uh, then we lost, you know, we lost Ian during, you know, during the recording of God and Guns. And uh, uh, that was a tough one because here's poor Ian over in the hospital undergoing cancer treatments and, you know, us having to keep going. Then we lost Billy. And I got to tell you guys, um, through it all, Gary, Johnny, and I, had come together after we lost Billy. And we really seriously said, uh, what are we doing? You know, why don't we just call it a day and just, you know, and be done with it? Well, Gary was the guy I didn't want to really, but I was going by the leader of our band, which was Gary Rossington. You know, if that's what the boy wanted to do, hey, that's what he wanted to do. Gary says, you know, I don't want to see us go out like this. Um, I don't think it's right. I think Billy would have wanted us to to keep pushing the music, playing the music. So we decided and we got auditions together and we got Peter Keys. Now brings us up to the vicious cycle part of Gary Rossington now. And now we've lost our, you know, the last of the founding members. Yeah. yeah. And our brother, our boss, our, you know, everything. And Johnny and I, uh, this has really been a hard one for me and Johnny. And it's still a hard one for me because after being all those years standing on stage with him in the very beginning of the years, and now for, 27 and a half years of standing there with him every night, looking at him and, and making sure I kept my eye on him. And we had this camaraderie thing together and, 
And Gary had indicated to his wife, Dale, that he did not want the music to end with him. You know, that, that for the millions of fans out there and, and the way the influence that this music has had on people uh, and we're drawing audiences from the age of eight to 80. Um, you know what? Johnny and I really didn't want to see the band go out like that. Um, so now the way it is, guys, uh, the vicious cycle has started and it's fallen right now at our feet. And uh, you know what? We're getting ready to go on and do this 50th anniversary tour. Um, 50th anniversary from the, you know, first release. Mm -hmm. But when I think back all the way to the first and last record, uh, we started rehearsing the first and last record when I landed in Jacksonville <coughs> when I first joined the band and agreed to play drums. We dropped my stuff off at my mom and dad's and went straight to rehearsal and started working on all the material that two weeks later we'd be sitting in Muscle Shoals recording. Yeah. And uh, I look back on it now and I can still remember everything about that time. Um, I knew in my heart, really in my heart, we were creating something that was going to be remembered. Yeah. You know, I knew it. I, I felt it. And, uh, wow. Now I look at it and I didn't really realize at that time, of course, you never do how far it was going to take us <laughs> and, and where we would be sitting at today. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I got to tell you something, fellas, you want to hear Something that really smacked me upside the head was, oh boy, we were booked to play a gig, um, and Gary had passed away, and we were booked to play Plant City in, here in Florida, and uh, we couldn't get out of it. We couldn't... And Johnny and I just knew that it was going to be a hard one, yeah. you know. Um, we did a tribute video to Gary, and we're still using it uh, on Tuesday's Gone. Now, Tuesday's Gone is probably one of my top five favorite tunes of Leonard Skinner. It was my ma's favorite. So... Now, when we go into it, I can't look back at the screen because our video wall has that tribute to Gary. And so that night that we're getting ready to play that gig, management comes in with this great big plaque about like this, you know, that. It looked like a, a silver thick dinner plate in the middle of it. And it said it had Spotify's logo in it. And I had to take a second look at the number that was on it. And Johnny thought for a minute, it said, you know, here's to congratulate Leonard Skinner for, Johnny thought it said 1 million streams of Sweet Home Alabama. I went, no, Johnny, look at it. He looked at 1 billion streams Goodness gracious. Of Sweet Home Alabama. Goodness gracious. 
Yes. <laughs> and so to going back to your original thing about the vicious cycle, that vicious cycle led us up all the way up to now. Well, right. I, yeah. and, and it was a vicious, it has been a vicious cycle, no doubt, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's a, you've uh, and you touched on a lot there. I mean, Tuesday's yeah. Gone was the first guitar solo I ever learned, so that's special <laughs> to me. The uh, there you go. The and I can only imagine what that Gary video looks like because the twenty album when y'all put it out twenty years since the plane crash, y'all had an awesome version of Traveling Man with Ronnie in memoriam of yeah. vocals and Johnny able to do the duet with the killer technology. So I can only imagine how awesome the the one with Gary is. I've not seen it. But <laughs> well, let me ask it. you a question. Have you seen the latest tour that we do? I, I've not seen the latest tour, no. I need to get out and see it. I'm do yourself a real favor. You need to come out and wait till you see what we've done in Freebird. Okay. Well, there you go. That's the teaser, listen, kids. That's listen, the teaser. Yeah. <laughs> From the time that we first started doing it up until right now, I've seen grown men shedding tears. <laughs> So that'll, you've got to get out and you've got to witness this. Well, we've got to witness it. Definitely make know? that happen. We will make that happen. Yeah. If, uh, next oh, time yeah. Next time y'all come through Nashville, we'll, we'll be there and we'll, we'll get together and hang out. <laughs> right. Well, you've been so kind, Ricky. This has been a lot of fun. We hope hope you've enjoyed yourself. There's one question that we ask everybody. So yeah. you're, you're on tour, either doing Ricky Medlock Group, you're doing Blackfoot, you're doing Skinnerd. One of them, you're with yeah. In, in, one of the many things that you're doing. You go into a gas station. What is your gas station snack food of choice? And while you're thinking of it, I'll tell you mine. <laughs> I would get a uh, Three Musketeers bar when I was growing up. My mom would say, you could have any candy bar you want. It's the most ounces. So I get, they're all the same price. So I get a Three Musketeers bar. What do you, what do you get? What does Ricky Medlock get in a gas station? Wow. Well, you're talking about what do I get now? You yeah, can do now. A- you can do previous till now. <laughs> you can answer in Ricky Medlock fashion, you however you want to embellish. First and last. Well, when I was a kid... We'd go into a gas station, and my daddy'd go, I know what you want, boy. I said, yeah, you do. <laughs> He'd get me a bottle, a bottled Coke or RC Cola. Oh, yes, huh? RC. And a pack of peanuts, and I'd pour the peanuts in the cola. Okay, yeah, that's old school right there. And he told me, that is a poor boy's lunch. <laughs> okay, do you know I still do that today? Yeah, no kidding. I uh, Check it I, out. This I, is I still right here. drink RC. Our listeners can't see, but I'm holding up a can of RC. <laughs> I prefer RC. I love RC. Dude, I still to this day, one of my favorite plays when I'm, first of all, Johnny swears up and down that I was a truck driver in my former life. Because <laughs> I love to get in, in my one of my vehicles and I love to drive long distance. Mm. Uh, my gal and I have a little lake home up near Memphis. She's from Memphis. Okay. And a uh, good Southern woman. So, <laughs> <laughs> can sing her off, man. But I love to get in, in one of the vehicles, and I love that long distance driving because for Ricky, it's listening to music, 
thinking a lot, uh, planning a lot, uh, thinking about things that I'd like to get accomplished. And the one thing I love to do, I got them all planned out on my route. <laughs> I stop at every loves truck stop. Okay. <laughs> now, everybody asks me, well, everybody asks me, why do you stop at the loves? Well, I'm going to tell you. When Blackfoot was touring back in the day where we had a van and we had an equipment truck following us and all that, we'd be in Texas because that's a Texas company. We'd be in Texas and Love's was just a little gas station where you could pull in and we'd pull in and get a chili dog <laughs> and get a chili dog and maybe a Coke or a RC, whatever you wanted. And loves became our big thing to stop at. Okay. Right? Then all of a sudden, they got bigger. <laughs> then they got bigger. And then they got bigger. Well, now, I have a good friend of mine that buys up a lot of the properties that a lot of your loves truck stops are built on. Ah. So, when I travel, I'll take a picture of one and send it to him, and he'll send it to the corporate. <laughs> <laughs> That the guy from Leonard Skinner's that loves. That's awesome. <laughs> well, That's... When I stop at Loves now, I'll get like I'll get get a cup of coffee. I love to drink coffee, and I'll get a coffee, get me a big bottle of water, and then I might, if I got a sweet tooth running, I'll get myself a Snickers. Okay, there you go. All right, and I'll tell you a good story real quick before y'all got to go. Tell you a good story. So when I joined Leonard Skinner. The phone call to me was from Gary Rossington. And this is before I he had me to audition, which is really funny in itself. But <laughs> the phone message was on. You remember when you had the phones that had the little tapes? Oh, yeah. yeah. And you recorded the message. Okay. Yeah. The message was, hey, Ricky, this is Brother Gary. I'm going to, I want you to learn. I ain't the one. Saturday night, that smell in Freebird. And I'm going to come down and I'm going to audition you. And if you pass the audition, I'll give you a dollar fifty in a Snickers bar. <laughs> <laughs> so fast forward. <laughs> About what, 15 years later or something? We finished playing one night and we get up on the bus. And in the front galley there, up on the counter, I look, and it said Ricky on the piece of paper. And I look, and it's a Snickers bar with a dollar fifty wrapped up in it. <laughs> yes, That's great. And the note on it said "paid in full." That's great. That is money. I love that so much. That's oh, great. Man. That's a that's a great way to. Ricky, you've been a blast. We hope you've had a good time. You're such yeah. a great storyteller. Uh, we'll you got get, it, buddy. We'll get back again together, and we'll talk about uh, Bo Bice on American Idol and two drummer setups and all that stuff. We'll we'll do round <laughs> two with Ricky. I'm sure that'd be a lot of fun. You got it, man. Anytime you want to do it, let me know. You got it, buddy. Yeah, man, and come see us. We'll do it. We'll do I it. promise you we will. We'll see you soon. All right, brother. Y'all take care. Thanks, Thank man. you, Ricky. We'll Have a good one, man. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. This is the Great Song Podcast.
And that was Ricky Medlock of Blackfoot, Skinner, Skinner. Ricky Medlock Group. He was such a fun storyteller. Oh, and I, man. I, that's one of those that I wish we were a video show because he just has his the, body language, his energy. The energy that you see him with on stage yeah. is the same. He's just like that. He was wearing this green shell necklace. I'm telling you, he's a good looking guy. We should have taken a picture of him. He is aging well, and he's a good looking dude. Yeah. And here's what I thought about him while, while we were talking to him I thought. He could have been a pro wrestler. Yeah. He has the delivery uh-huh. and the look yeah. Yeah. and the like sort of manner of speaking. Yeah. He could have been a great. He would be great on the mic. Yeah. Pre and post battle. Yes. Yeah. Like backstage, inter- you know, like the, he thought. He would definitely have an Indi- or a Native American yeah. name. Right. Yeah. He could like, collect a, like a cool, like Blackfoot is a Blackfoot's cool, awesome. like, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah. So anyway, he was fantastic. His tats look, they've aged well. His t- yes. That's right. And d- yeah, that's what I wanted to say is I wanted to, I want to make him a shirt that says, don't just love the tats, love the people. That's good. Right? Remember. Wear with no arm, yeah. a sleeveless shirt that just says, you That's know, good. Yeah. Don't just love the tats, love the people. Yeah. That's, that's money. Uh, so our best gas station answer, like nobody ever gives a story, Dude, that right? was like, yeah, that was like, yeah. But to get a story that connects to Gary, who just passed away yeah. in March, a couple yeah, as, as we record this just a couple months ago, um, and to be able to connect that to the Man. gas station question really felt like something Man. special. Gives the you know feels. I mean? Yeah. That's good. That's a goodie. So, uh, you know, amazing, uh, amazing way to, you know, get to cap off this interview with a, a legendary artist and and part of a, you know, absolute uh, classic rock legendary band. So really cool to get to talk to Ricky. Really cool to get to make the show uh, and get to do all the things that we've got to do because of it. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, and we'll be back next time on the Great Song Podcast. Until then, I'm Rob. I'm JP. Go listen to some music. <laughs>